Welcome back to another episode of the Young Guides Podcast. I'm Keaton and this is... I'm Kyle. And we are going to bring you a word from our partners. First off, we got Heather's Choice. If you go to their website um, and use our code THEYOUNGGUIDES15, you can get yourself 15% off. Anything on the website, that includes dinners, breakfasts, and our pack roots. You've heard me talk about it. I'm going to talk about it again until we're out of them. Our holiday seasonal packaroons. We got eggnog. We got Santa's coal. We got candy cane. And we got ginger snap. So if you want to order some Heather's Choice, order it now. I can't promise you it'll get to you before Christmas. But stay cheery. And get yourself some holiday packaroons. They're going to taste great. I've got some saved here at home that I'm waiting to use until this next summer when I'm out fishing, when I'm out hunting, I'm out doing stuff outdoors. I'm saving some of these flavors because I know I want to enjoy them on the river or in the mountains. So check them out. You can find a link to their website in our bio or in the show notes of this um, <clears throat> episode or at our podcast, theyoungguidespodcast.com. Click that link, go there, use our code and get yourself a discount and some great food. Absolutely. I also want to bring up a great partner of ours, Lucky Bug Lures. Um, go check out their Instagram, check out their website, um, home of and creator of the Bingo Bug, Zombie Max, Fusion Extreme, Lucky Plug, F-Bomb, and Pike Bomb. Um, just great all around for any type of fishing that you're doing. Um, so go check it out. Um, give them a follow. See, you know, don't be afraid to mix it up from your standard lures or your standard, you know, even like you can throw some of this stuff on your fly rods. So make sure to go out, give it a try. Um, and then the exciting thing is today we have Sophie from Lucky Bugs, which she's going to go into more detail about some of these awesome lures and creations that she has made. Um. yeah we're gonna have sophie on today she's gonna talk about lucky bug why she started the company um, a little bit of her background and some of the fishing that she does in uh, british columbia where she is from and where lucky bug is located great podcast it was really fun getting to know sophie and talking a little bit about her and about her products and uh, we are hope you guys enjoy this episode and sophie has so much knowledge um, I'm sure that uh, we're going to have her again in the future. Absolutely. And this episode is getting brought to you right before Christmas. So if you celebrate Christmas, me and Kyle want to wish you a Merry Christmas. If you celebrate other holidays, we hope you have a great holiday season. Um, we want to also just put out there, we're very thankful for all of you that are supporting, liking, sharing, um, listening to our podcast, giving us feedback. Um, if you don't mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a review or, a, you know, a, um, yeah, a review, leave us a review, give us a, you know, a star rating and uh, just tell us how we're doing, if we're doing good or, or not doing good. We'd like to know, and we would like to know how to improve. And if you don't want to do it there, you can always DM us on Instagram. So, um, Kyle, you got anything else to add? Um, I don't think so. Just want to wish everybody a happy holiday season. Appreciate everybody's feedback that we received so far. 
lets us know that we're doing this for a reason and we appreciate everybody's support. So with that, I think it's time to get to Sophie's podcast. Here it is. Today we have an awesome guest, Sophie Hughes from Lucky Bug Lures. She's from Vancouver, BC. We are so excited to have her on. Lucky Bug is located in BC uh, and is an awesome partner with us. So make sure to go to our website and check it out. Check out some of the gear you can get. Um, and let's just kick this off. Sophie, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background? Hey guys, thanks for having me on board on your po podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so what I do is I'm a manufacturer for fishing lures and I've got a number of different um, lures that we manufacture. So my background actually is kind of diverse. A lot of it's outdoor, but I've also been in business and in finance and a bunch of things along the way. Um, but outdoors has always been where I love to be. All things outdoors, I enjoy skiing, hiking, you name it, all sorts of sports. And when I was young, my dad introduced me, of course, camping and fishing, and I've been hooked, pardon the pun, ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. So what got you, what, what made you want to get into uh, making lures and starting, starting this company? Well, it was a couple of different things, actually. I had two small children, and I wanted to try just to have sort of a side business. And I thought that doing some lures would be, you know, sort of a fun thing to do. And my husband had this great idea for this lure that had kind of been around, but wasn't around anymore and he couldn't find it anymore. So we re-engineered what we call the bingo bug and our company's called Lucky Bug, but it's funny, we've had this company for a while and people sort of interchanged the name bingo bug and Lucky Bug because that was what we started our business with. Gotcha. But the bingo bug was what, what my husband and I love to fish with all the time. That's what we always use. And we've, it used to be made out of a resin, which was fine. But if you ever have been out fishing on a hot, warm day and your tackle box is sitting on your, either on the shore or in your boat, that resin would get warm and sort of melt a little bit. And then, you know, it would reform again and it wouldn't quite be the same. You wouldn't really notice it to the eye, but it wouldn't quite be the same. So we've actually re-engineered them. We've redesign them slightly and we make them out of an ABS plastic now. So we started oh, over a dozen years ago making the bingo bug lure and that was sort of how we built our business. And we've just been, um, we hand make them which is not something that people are familiar with anymore but we actually hand cut the feathers. We hand make every part of the lure. Um, the hooks are actually from Mustad or eagle claw, depending on whether we get a wide gap or a classic gap hook for our lures. And everything else is, we're hand painting them, we're hand spraying them. And we get the, the, we get the bodies inject molded outside of our shop, but everything else is done inside of our shop. And it's actually been a really fun little business to have for you know the last dozen years or so. I enjoy it. I enjoy making them. I enjoy fishing with them and they're, a lure that you can actually fish so many different ways like they're hybrid lures so you can cast them you can fly fish with them you can troll them you can jig them like you name it mm -hmm. they're super versatile so i love them i'm biased but i simply love them 
So it sounds like, so are you owner and manufacturer or are yep. you, you do the whole, so the whole process goes through your hand? Yep. Yep. So I do have staff, so I'm not always doing all of it. Mm-hmm. I do, we have like a snap hook that we attach to the bingo bug. So I'll do those and I do the painting, but I do have to run the business. So I try not to always work in the business. I try and work on the business mm-hmm. as well. So I do have staff that makes the stuff. And I do have shipping and receiving and all that kind of good stuff too. And then I have contract workers that do other aspects of my business, the accounting and that kind of stuff. So, but definitely we are everything for this one stop shop proudly made in Canada. Nice. Yeah. Is is your product mainly in Canada or can people find it in the U S as well? It can be found in the U.S. There's not as many spots in the U.S. There are some stores up and down the West Coast of the States, but primarily it's Amazon if you're going to buy it in the States, Amazon.com. But in Canada, we're coast to coast. The reason, yeah, I'd like to be more in the States. It's just, it is hard to get into the States. Just, it's such a different market from Canada. But um, it it is available. And we do have actually a, a lot of followers of our product in the States that troll and um, and they'll, you know, troll dry flies or they'll troll. Like I actually troll the lure in a lot of different ways. I like to use lead core line. A lot of our lakes up here are a little deeper. So I'll either put it on a, um, uh, a on a downrigger with a cannonball and stuff, or I'll put it on a lead core and troll it. Or I'll just, you know, if I, if I don't have that, then I'll just put some split shots and just run a small, a long leader with some, split shots, depending on how far I need to get. But we did start with that. I mean, manufacturing lures was one thing. And it was funny because our lures really took off. The bingo bugs have really been something that a lot of people have been looking for. I remember being at a show one time and an avid fly angler, which I think you guys will get this. He was an avid fly angler. And we had a tank that showed the action of the lure. And our lures are based on what we call Trimax technology. And it's basically, there's, you know, the visual and there's the vibration and then there's um, erratic random movements. So we've built it on based on those. And there was a fly angler coming by going, I really wish I had a fly with action. I just need a fly with action. And he turned the corner and he saw her lure was like, you're kidding me. That's what I want. So he looked at him, he checked him out and he took him out to a river and he was, we were in spawning season for sockeye at the time. So he ran them in the local rivers for some sockeye and normally to get sockeye, especially when they're spawning, they're not going to be feeding. So they're not biting. You're actually flossing or you're snagging them in the water. These things our bingo bugs were down their throat. They were eating them. They were mad. They were hungry. They were devouring them. This guy was hooked. He was like, awesome. (laughs) I found what I need. And that was, that was really the beginning that actually for us, people started wanting our lures for different things. They, they were like, oh, well, can you make it for salmon? Can you make it for this? So it was actually just the beginning of us creating lures for other um, species. And that bingo bug was really just our flagship. Now we build eight different lures for pike, for walleye, for perch, for grayling, for lakers, for you name it, salmon. So did, so you, kind of change i noticed there's like when i look at your lures or i'm i'm shopping i notice that there's like a traditional aspect but you did some small changes and you changed some stuff up 
what made you like look at a traditional lure and be like, I could do this better and create something different? So, you know, basically it's, my husband's really the engineer of the lures. He has that sort of engineer brain and what he wanted them to do was have a different movement. So it's kind of like a bit of a spoon on the front, but then there's the, the side um, kind of a cutout, which basically what you're trying to do is mimic an injured bait fish, not just a bug in the water or a bait fish in the water. You really want to mimic something that's injured, which what happens typically in fish, they've got that lateral line, which is their biggest organ, and they feel something in the water. And if it feels different, like that it's injured or it's behaving erratically, they immediately want to strike and they feel it and they go towards wherever it is in the water and they'll, they'll, they'll attack. And that's basically what we wanted to do was create a predatory response. And that's what our lures do. So all of our lures are built on that premise. So from there, you know, we built our, um, our lucky plug, which is a, a plug, which you can, we've got four different sizes on those. And really, if anyone's ever plug fished, plug plugs themselves haven't changed in literally 60 or 70 years. The plugs that we have, they took the same front end geometry that we had on our bingo bug and we applied it to the front of a plug. And the difference is there's wings on the side of our plugs. They're not just round, smooth, like a lot of them, they've been created out of cedar or something and they're lathed and they're just nice and smooth. Ours have a little wing on the side. What that does is it added an extra dimension of lateral movement. So they are, and it's not like normal lateral movements. It's, it's erratic and it's random and it's crazy. And it's three to four feet, depending on the size of the lure from we've got the two and three quarter inch right up to our six and three quarter inch. So we basically have used that theory of making a fish want to strike even when they're not hungry. And we have applied it to a bunch of things. And then, like I said, and, We've talked to people, we've been out in the field a ton, just talking to consumers, talking to people, regular anglers, more professional ones like yourselves. And there's a lot of discussions about what people want. A lot of people tend to want something that looks like a fish, a bait fish. So we actually created the Zombie Max. And the Zombie Max is funny because that was actually created with sort of a fish shape in mind. And then we actually took off the head. That's why we called it the Zombie. And because we took off the head and we put that that shape on the front of the head used basically the same theory as we were on our bingo bug and what that does is it displaces the water differently all the time it's never just a straight movement like you know when fish are targeting through the water they're just moving this makes them move differently which if they were injured that's what they would be doing they wouldn't be moving smoothly through the water and it's when you cast out our zombie max lure it's actually, it'll go, it'll float down and away from you. Mm-hmm. Then when you reel it back in and you can jerk it or you can reel it in smoothly, it'll basically come back at you and dart back at you and up, which is exactly what an injured fish would do. So yeah. we, yeah, we've tried to really make all of our lures behave in that manner. Gotcha. So, sounds like you got to know a little bit about like fish biology and then like understand how injured like an injured bait fish would act and how that predatory response it's not just making the lures you gotta know what's eating your lures right what you're targeting 
it's a bit of a science and it's kind of neat because we have we've had 3d printers in our shop since we've pretty much started probably in about 20 well maybe 2014 we started getting for rapid prototyping because when we started with our bingo bug it could take year year and a half before you'd actually get a final mold ready for mass producing allure but with the rapid prototyping system we could actually where we live is where we, where our, our warehouse is our factory is, is right across the street from a lake and a little riverway so we would actually print something out in a few hours it took a lot longer in the beginning it was like you know overnight or three days sometimes but that's still a lot quicker than nine months and then we'd go and we test it in the water and then come back in fact our fusion extreme which is it's called the fusion extreme because it's the fusion between our bingo bug and our lucky plug so it was a fusion between those and it's basically a castable version it's a little heavier that kind of stuff but we actually tested that and when we when we the material we use is typically clear because we want to see how things work and we put weights in it and all that kind of stuff so it wasn't painted it was basically really just a clear prototype we threw in the water thought we snagged it but we actually caught a bass which we didn't even know there was bass in that water <laughs> so i have to say that crankbait works really well on bass doesn't matter it's it's about the vibration on that it's yeah. not about the visual attraction because it did not look like a fish <laughs> but typically our patterns we try we do try and mimic something we try and put red on them to mimic that blood so everything like you said is it's the science behind fishing not just the art what yeah. you do is an art. The fly fishing is an art. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm not at all a pro bass fisherman. I would consider myself even below like amateur in bass fishing. I just do it like for fun. But I notice like one thing I notice when I'm fishing is that sometimes throwing the same stuff at like bass, even though it, like it's supposed to give that predatory uh, strike. Sometimes I think just sometimes they they may see it too much or, you know, so throwing something different or a different movement also really helps. And um, if you go to the, like, you know, you go to a sporting goods store and you go to the like crankbait section or anything of that sort, a lot of the stuff is the same. It's just different price tags because of different labels. So um, bringing a different science into it, that's really cool. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that sometimes the expectation the presentation for the fish if they see it over and over again yeah they'll they'll recognize it and then they're not stupid they'll yeah they'll shy away from it for sure so having something that even before they see it they feel it that they want to target that's our goal yeah. that's our goal with all of our baits that's really cool yeah and primarily our baits are for freshwater but they there are a few of our baits that are good for saltwater too. Like, I mean, our plugs are obviously for saltwater, but I know where you are, Kyle, there's some big fish like pike, those plugs that we have, they're great for musky and pike fishing. You just need some great big baits for them. And yeah. our zombie max our seven inch zombie max. Those are fun up there to throw. Can't fly fish them, but <laughs> if you like to gear fish, they're good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You, you could fly fish with anything as long as you can get it out there. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put it out to you guys to try fly fishing or, or bingo bugs. They're really, really fun to fly fish with. Oh, I, I've been, I was checking those out and I was like, these would be perfect for silvers when they come in in like late August, early September, because we're fishing these into like big pods of both pinks and silvers. And if you throw something a little bit bigger and again, has a little bit different vibration and just really attracts their attention, you'll be able to get those silvers to pull away from 
5,000 pinks and come and destroy your fly. So I was like, the bingo bug would be perfect for that because it's going to, with that vibration, it's going to piss off those silvers and they're going to come and attack. I can, I can, I can, I already know it's going to work. So I'm excited. Now I just have to wait till September <laughs> to give it a shot. <laughs> for some open water, right? Late season. Exactly. Yeah. They really do. They really do. Throwing them for the fly fishing is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And sometimes just for fly anglers, knowing that they're actually handmade makes a difference too. For sure. Because that is part of the joy of fly fishing is actually being part of the yeah. whole experience, right? Exactly. Absolutely. I think yeah. uh, like in the journey of fly fishing too is like, you know, you start out, you want to catch your first fish, then you want to catch your, you know, your next fish on a fly you tied, and then you're just trying to do everything. And then you hit a point and you're like, I just want to fish. <laughs> yeah, it's a full circle. <laughs> yeah. Come back to the beginning. You're like, yeah, we're back here. We're just going to stay here for a while. <laughs> but sometimes you just have to explore the whole thing. And I think that's part of what we've done in our business is, yeah. I think I was mentioning to you guys earlier that you know, I used to love, loved fish every moment I could, but now there just isn't as many moments that I can fish. Yeah. <laughs> I should have gotten into guiding instead of manufacturing. <laughs> <laughs> we don't fish that much either. Well, as a guide, it's funny. I guess you guys have different problems than I do because you actually can't always be holding the rod. You got to let someone else reel that fish in. Yep. Exactly. You're, you're catching fish through a person you're fishing through them helping them to vicariously through them trying to get them into a fish and then get that same excitement by watching them fight it and talking them through it and get it in it's it's a it's it's, it's different you gotta you, you learn how to enjoy fishing a little bit differently when you're when you're guiding all the time totally i always say i've caught like literally hundreds of thousands of fish because every every lure that i've built technically by extension, I've caught that fish. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Totally yeah. That's awesome. You know, I'm I'm super pumped to to throw those around next year. And up here, not just like the salmon and the pike and stuff, but these trout in Alaska are so predatory because our growing season's only like four or five months. And so pretty sure this trout up here are gonna like that bingo bug too i think they're gonna totally and in the beginning of the season you're gonna to want to start with a smaller bait right like with anything and then towards the end of the season you want to go to the number two the bigger one we've got three sizes in the bingo bugs the number eight is the small one and then the number six is the medium and then the number two is the big one and as you know as the bait progresses and as they get more you know their appetites get more huge to get ready for the winter months they do get a little more aggressive the bigger baits are a lot more fun totally so you started out this company what was your main like fish that you were after when you started like the bingo bug and you kind of described it but like what was your main fish of choice when you started lucky bug like what was you designing your lures after if that makes sense yeah it's funny because really they were designed for trout they were predominantly a trout lure and that was the kind of fishing that um, we do, the fa our family does. We're mostly freshwater trout fishermen. We go into the interior of BC and we go into a lot of lake fishing, don't do a lot of river fishing, but the lures are great for all kinds of stuff. And I've found that out, you know, just over the years, I've always done lake fishing. That's always what I've done. 
but over the years I've had an opportunity to do some ice fishing I've with my bingo bugs and I've done river fishing with them. I even caught a sturgeon on one, which was ridiculous because obviously I wasn't set up for that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have any of the gear, but it was crazy. It was crazy. And then I, I did catch, I, it was a huge one and obviously snapped the line and I wasn't set up, the, nothing set up for that. And then I caught another littler one, but I'm not allowed to even catch them. I'm like, what is happening? So they do attract all sorts of fish, but they were targeting, we were targeting trout with them and kokanee. That was our, our fish of choice. But now, yeah, we use them for walleye. You, I mean, I know there's bass fishermen that will really only fish poppers or, or you know soft baits anything like that but our bingo bugs are really really productive for that too so yeah. although they were created for trout they are good for absolutely every species everything perch graylings lakers you yeah. name it. have uh you kind of mentioned kokanee and i, I just wanted to go off on like a little <laughs> sub question here do you do you like find a certain color works best for kokanee i know like I, I can't speak for like up in bc but i know in the lower lower 48 it's they can be picky you know speed and colors and time of day and everything do you notice that um like the, a certain color works well for you or yeah i find the pinks actually work best for the kokanee the mm -hmm. kokanee colors really tend to like the pinks a lot of the flash a lot of contrast is mm -hmm. typically what they like but really I don't know if it's any different where you guys are, but when we're in, because coconut schooling fish. So once you're in a school, you're just, you're on, as soon as you figure out where they are, it's just fish after fish after fish. Yeah. That's, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And coconut really turning into quite a fishery. I find, you know, in the last 10 years, it's been quite a targeted fishery. I mean, bass for so long was just the fishery, but coconut, they yep. put up a fantastic little fight there little beasts in the water yeah and they taste good it's just like a little it's a little salmon totally totally they're super tasty they're super tasty so they're really starting to take off i know in the, the california stuff they've got some big kokanee and even in colorado and stuff they've got some really nice big kokanee yeah a bit bigger than what we have which is crazy uh, i mean that's the warm you know some in the summertime those are the warmer states and you'd think that it would like I know um, up here, we kind of face uh, a challenge of uh, like we have dead zones and stuff in our lakes in the summer because it gets so hot. And then I forget what the zone's called, but there's like a uh, like a gas layer that comes and it crosses and our kokanee are usually the, one of the first fish to go. Um, so I thought it'd be really affected down there, but it's it's cool to see. They got some deep lakes and stuff as well, though. That's the key. And really, yeah. when the waters are turning, you're not going to be catching much anyway. So it's just... Yeah the way it is right so it's a lot harder and you got to get a lot deeper when that top water is all warm the fish yeah. are lazy and they're not interested so you do have to go a little deeper or you get higher elevation lakes where they're still cooler yeah so, absolutely yeah i do enjoy i do enjoy that and that's part of i guess fishing i mean they call it fishing not catching because you do have to think about what you're doing yeah you can't just you know throw a line in and catch something wherever you go you have to try and outsmart these little guys and you know, take a lot of things into consideration, what time of year it is, what the weather's doing. In fact, funny thing I found out the last couple of years, sadly, because we've had a lot of forest fires, is mm -hmm. the fish seem to be impacted by a lot of heavy smoke. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I don't think there's any science specifically relating to that, but I have found that there is a different pressure, like a barometric pressure or something within, you know, a heavy smoke layer that changes the fishery. I've had some really difficult times fishing. It's almost like it's turning the water and it's putting a lot of pressure on the fish and they're not happy and they go deep and they do not want to feed. Yeah. That is... Have you guys tried, tried fishing in like this? I mean, you've had some bad fire seasons. Yeah. yeah. Say on the, back in Washington, when I was guiding uh, on some of those smoke days, um, when it was so dark, um, I noticed that that sometimes would actually get the fish eating. But again, that was in a river as opposed to um, still water. So I'm not sure. I know that sometimes with, when the heavy smoke was going on, like in upper parts of the Columbia here in Washington, mm -hmm. uh, that would make things difficult um, for the fishermen there. But uh, at least on, on the Yak one, we had some heavy smoke. I had some good days when the fish, when it was so dark because of it, that fish were actually willing to eat a little bit more on the surface because of, it's just kind of like cloud cover um, at that point. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't experienced it on still water, so I can't really speak to that. Yeah, I've definitely found that in the last couple of years. And I've found that even in talking to other people that are in other provinces, when there was a lot of heavy smoke, even in lakes that they're super familiar with, like their cabin lake, where they fish every year, two weeks, you know, and they were like, yeah, the smoke, I wasn't able to catch anything. And, it, you know, after the smoke cleared, they were able to fish were back on. So it's not like the fish would, had died off or anything like that. It was just a lot of pressure being put on the fish. It was weird. Wow. Definitely an interesting phenomenon to explore because these things are changing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I like me personally, I know that um, as you spoke to like pressure and stuff moving in, like we'll have in the summertime, I fish a local river by my house and it'll be sunny, sunny, sunny. And then we get just like a, a summertime rain moving in. And it's like what you were using yesterday and just slaying all day on. And it's just that change of like, maybe it's a change of color, maybe not as lights coming through something. There's something those fish don't like and they just scatter. As yeah. far as they just won't eat and they're lockjawed because I'm like, I know this is going right by a group of fish's face, but it's just not working today. Um, yeah, that'd be a, an interesting uh, topic to discuss. I just don't know enough about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of science been dug up on it, but I think there's something to be said about that for sure. Fish, you know, in a tackle box, you're going to have a ton of different gear, a ton of different colors. Cause you know, we sell coast to coast and mm -hmm. we find that even just one lake to the lake right next door, there's such different waterways. It, you know, there's, there's depth, there's color, there's, um, you know, the algae in it, there's all that stuff that factors in that, you know, someone's going to use a chartreuse color in one lake and someone's going to use a black color in another lake and catch awesome fish in both of them. But you wouldn't trade it out the other way. Yeah. Like you say, some days, man, they want something different. They want, you know, if it's a stained lake and it's dark overcast and they want something dark that doesn't look unnatural, then they'll go for it. Yeah. It's so unpredictable. You got to have a big assortment of tackle for sure. Yeah. Works well, well for me in my business. That's why they, <laughs> they call fishing, right? You got to get one of it. You got to get one of everything. And then yep. on the day that that happens and you throw every single color that you have in your tackle box, you realize it was probably the chartreuse color that you didn't have. So you got to go buy more. 
Yeah. Or you lose that one. You you find the exact one that you yeah. that they're hitting on, and then you'll lose it, and then you don't catch anything the rest of the day. It's, it's always your last one too. Like the color that works, you're like, oh sweet, this is great. Then you open up your fly box or your gear box, and you're like, oh this is not great. That's my last one. Don't lose it. And then if it's you or your client, they're gonna slap it in the tree. Or you're going to slap it in a tree or on a log and you're going to watch your drip boat or your boat go by and you're not going to be able to get it. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I know. I, I know some people when they buy lures, they're like, I always have to buy at least two of each because if it works and I lose it, I need another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you always want to, you always want to take like, this is a little tip from Keaton is to take a picture of what you're using Cause like I'll take it out of the package and I'll put it in my gearbox or I'll put it in my fly box and then I won't take a picture of it and I'll throw the package away or I won't have the label or anything. And then it works. And then I lose it. And I'm like, I don't really remember. You know, this <laughs> fly that? Yeah. Oh, that one had a, a teal. I can't. And then you go on the website and it's like, it's got a teal back an orange back, a white back, or, you know, there's just a bunch of different colors and you're like man which one was it and then you got to buy all of them i mean that's another thing that works in your favor right there <laughs> but i have to say that life tip is a good one keaton for sure yeah. take a picture of it because that has happened to more people than i i've had people try and describe to me what it was and i was like we don't even have something like that yeah. no, no no i swear and it had blue and it had no we don't even make that. <laughs> it happens to the best of us even guys oh. Even totally. people that work in fly shops, even people that make lures, we all do it. Absolutely. So that, that is a good tip. That yeah. one you should, uh, yeah, you should write that down and sell that tip. That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So when you first started out, Lucky Bug, Sophie, what uh, challenges did you face just starting the company? Well, like with any company in any industry, it's, really tough to sort of be the new guy on the block. And I have to say, you know, in the fishing industry, it's even harder because, you know, we're a new company and we've had fishing companies that have been around for 60, 70, 80, a hundred years. We're the new guy. And it's, it, you know, so that was a little difficult, but I think what was more of a challenge was actually trying to convert or convince traditional anglers in whatever way they've been fishing for the last, however many years of their you know lives to fish, our, our lures, our way. So really the biggest challenge is fishermen are pretty traditional. They're conservative. They fish the way they fish and they've always done it that way. It's like, you know, I fish cut plugs my entire life and I cut them this specific way. And this is the only way that'll ever work. And we're like, well, you know, try this, try this. So actually getting anglers to, to change their fishing styles or adjust their fishing styles to try our stuff <laughs> has been quite a challenge and getting brand ambassadors on board has been a huge part of that success in getting us there and them telling their friends and saying, but just try it. It's really, it's really exciting. Try it, put it on, tie it like this. And then they fish and then they outfish their buddies. They're like, Holy crap. That's what I needed to do. So that's probably been the biggest challenge is being young and trying to get people to change their fishing habits. And then quite frankly, some of the other challenges are just environmental. You know, we've had, a lot of forest fires, floods. This year we've had a lot of floods in, in BC and I'm, you know, concerned there's going to be a lot of riverways that are, you know, going to be damaged and affected and, you know, new fry that were just being laid, you know, or eggs that were being laid and new fry that have only been in the river system for a year that aren't ready to be into the oceans and stuff are being 
flushed out much sooner. So there's a lot of environmental and, and, and even political things that are out of our control, like when they shut different fisheries and that kind of stuff. Those, from my point of view in a business, have been difficult, but not insurmountable. Just got to keep going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure as guides, you guys come across the same things, right? Like if it's a rainy day or a snow and you're not expecting it to do that weather, you just got to. Well, um, I could speak to that. It's like, you know, I have a, the fishery I've fished. I've fished it the last five or six years. And this was the first year that I've seen water like rolling over gravel, <laughs> like bars and, or not, you know, it was like in the wintertime, it was way up. And then in the summertime, I mean, it was some spots, six, seven inches of water you're walking through to get into pools. And at one point I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm done fishing this because at some point those fish are, you know, trying to survive and you got that pressure on. It's like, it's not worth it. So it's really kind of sad and disappointing to see. And you just hope that things keep working out in the right way. And the next year's better than the last. So. Yeah. I think teaching conservation, uh, you know, especially from the businesses that we're in is a really big part of it. Um, a lot of the stuff that when we build our lures, we don't put BPA in them just so that we're not, changing a lot of the landscape of the fisheries with these bad chemicals that are in products that we don't use lead and that kind of stuff. Cool. So I think just the conservation part and teaching people to catch and release. I mean, some people, you know, don't know how to release a fish properly or know when to release it, like when it's not well and it won't make it. So a lot of those things, even, you know, we have all our hooks do have barbs. So we do, you know, there's a lot of places where you have to pinch the barbs and we have to teach people how to properly pinch them, all that kind of stuff, you know, to make sure that we have a fishery for, you know, the rest of our lives and our grandkids' lives and on and on, right? Absolutely. Healthy fisheries are what's going to keep us going. Well, and I think you bring up a good point about the pinching barbs. Um, little tip is just if, if, it, if it's pinched, it should go through your t-shirt and not your t-shirt. I think Kyle, isn't that how the game wardens do it in our state? I think Is so. Yeah. Either do it through a shirt or through a piece of cloth or something. Yeah, they'll run it through like their cuff or their shirt or their like Velcro. And if it gets stuck on the Velcro, it's technically got a barb on it still. Yeah. I always say when you're pinching it, you should really just pinch and roll, right? So that you're, you know, getting all of that off. So it can be hard, but some people just don't know how to do that. And that's what we need to be doing is continuing to teach people how to fish responsibly to maintain the fisheries that we have, because we're really fortunate to have such, I mean, we're in, you know, one province in two different States here, and we've got three amazing different fisheries that are all impacted by each other. Really. Mm -hmm. We're all intertwined in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, yeah, you know, the, the rivers that go up and down. So we're yep. all, connected and they all spawn in different places and important to keep them healthy absolutely so those would be the challenges that i have just you know having a fishing company and starting one i, I don't think just the challenges end after you start one yeah exactly yeah. just yeah. kind of grows with you call them call them growing pains they all they, they're always there as you get bigger and just as you're a company there's always some stuff that comes up Mm -hmm. changes right changes in all the different fisheries you want to make sure that you're you know addressing those as you go all the time and you know whenever there's new technology or something that we can use 
or apply or do to help improve the whole thing, we, we always do that. We always make sure we implement that. So we're always constantly growing and changing. It's fun. So I got a question for you. Um, if someone is starting out a new fishing company, what is your best like tip for that person? Like trying to get into the industry? Not, not that we're trying to like say like, this is how you do yeah. it. Make more competition for yourself, but like maybe like, like, well, like, like what's a tip you would give for starting a company in general? Yeah, absolutely. Like any, not just a fishing company, like any company, like any company. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I guess if you're going to start something for one, know your numbers, make sure that you know that there's, it's viable as far as the business goes um, and then stick with it. If those numbers are viable, you've got to stick with it and you've got to be prepared to work hard each and every single day. You know, there's all sorts of terrible cliches and stuff, but really when you own your own business, you are that business. So it doesn't turn off when you go to bed. There's always, there's always something to be doing and thinking of. So everyone always thinks, oh man, you're so lucky you have your own business. It's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm responsible. If, if I take a day off work, I don't get paid that day. If I'm sick, if I'm fishing, if I'm doing whatever, and I'm not necessarily getting paid. So you really got to love what you're doing. Yeah. It would be, you know, if you're passionate about it, um, you're going to enjoy it no matter what. It's not going to feel like work, but definitely it's going to be, you have to work at it every day. It's not just going to come to you. Yeah, absolutely. What about, uh, I think you, you make your own luck, right? Yeah. And you got to want it at least, yeah. I mean, in guiding or in a podcast or in building lures or time flies, you got to have some type of drive. Like even on the days that you feel like, Oh, I don't feel like doing this or, Oh, I, I think I should skip this today, but you just got to tell yourself, like, if I skip this step, you know, this could be detrimental to my next week of business or my next two weeks of business or the next year. So just like keeping those little things going and working hard at it. Right. Yeah. And that's what, and I think that falls true with any industry you're in. Um, mm -hmm. You have to love it. You know, so, if, so, you know, if someone wanted to get into this industry, just, if you know, like I said, you run the numbers and it makes financial sense, then you got to stick with it. You can't just try it for a week or two and then give up. Yeah. It takes time, it takes time to build a business. It doesn't just build itself. Absolutely. That's <laughs> I wish it did. <laughs> I know. Why can't you just go on a button, come back a few years later or something, right? I don't know. There'll be that soon. One of these days. <laughs> Automated. Start your business. It'll do all the work for you. Totally. Totally. That would be great. <laughs> it's not possible, but we can dream. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, but then we wouldn't have such unique, companies and brands that create products like like your lures like having if it was too easy everybody would do it and then we would just have too many lures and they would all be the same but we have unique individuals unique companies starting these these businesses and sticking with it and being dedicated to it and evolving with the product evolving with the industry and you could get a good outcome from that absolutely yeah it's what makes it fun right the differences all those differences can't have it like and i always say that about my stuff in tackle boxes you know i go to a lot of trade shows a lot of consumer ones and a lot of business trade shows and i sit and we're a bunch of manufacturers we're all sitting together and then we're all going for a drink after together and hanging out for dinner and stuff 
They're like, but that's your competition. I'm like, well, I don't expect somebody's tackle box just to have lucky bug stuff. I mean, mine is because that's, they're the best things, but <laughs> I just expect to be a part of someone's tackle box. Right. Yeah. So you're going to do different kinds of fishing. And I'd like to be a small part of that. And for somebody to enjoy their fishing experience that day as a result of some of my lures. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'd welcome anybody into the, to the industry. They just, you know, it's, uh, not always easy though. <laughs> yeah. So kind of stemming off of that, what is it like being um, a woman-owned, women-operated company in the fishing industry? Well, women are awesome. We rule. <laughs> so that makes it easier. But I have to say that um, the outdoor industry is predominantly male-dominated, and it and it has. Um, but I was in finance and business previous to this life in fishing and outdoors. So I've actually grown quite a thick skin. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I just found that, and I think it, I don't know if it really mattered if I was male or female, but people don't take you as seriously, whether it was because I was new in the industry or female or whatever it was. But I think it just takes a bit more time to prove myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've done. I've just prove that I know what I'm doing. I know how to do it. And I enjoy what I'm doing and I'm passionate about it. And I think being a woman in this industry has had some benefits because I do have a different perspective than some people. And there are a lot more women entering just, you know, recreational fishing or hunting or the outdoor world. And mm -hmm. just having the perspective that I have has been helpful for a lot of those women. And, you know, I hope and what I would like it to do is to inspire and give confidence to a lot more women to just, you know, hop in. There's, you know, some great guides. If you want to get learning and figuring out how to fish, how to tie knots, some of that stuff can be quite daunting. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what gender you are. I think some of that stuff can be quite daunting and having the right role model or mentor or someone to help you just to say, you know what I really like is an eight weight and I like a six weight and why, and why do I like this knot? And you know, just some of those really, really basic things that I think everybody needs to know. You know, I don't care what gender you are. And I think that, you know, a lot of people learn that as a, as a kid. And if they don't, and they're getting into it as they're older, that might be more daunting. And mm -hmm. I just, you know, hope that I can, I'm happy to teach anybody. I, I don't know a lot about every kind of fishing, I know about the kind of fishing that I like and I'm happy to teach whomever it is the way I fish and the way I like to fish and the way I I'm awesome in the water. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would just definitely say that being a woman's industry hasn't been hard. Hasn't been easy. I think it's like anything you just work hard and you prove yourself and it's all good. It's all good. Gotcha. Well, I, I think that there's like people in our industry that, feel like you know certain people can't be invited into this sport and and I think to just kind of put a stop to that is you need all these people in the industry because one the more people you have that care about this sport it helps us protect this sport you know it helps us protect our fishery more people care about conservation more people want to help local businesses and small businesses and big businesses and be more involved in the whole aspect of the world of fishing hunting and outdoors um, and i think as we go on and since you know from when i was a kid to now and you know that's not a very long time i've seen a big shift and you know like you're saying like more women 
uh, more people of color. And I think that's, it's an awesome thing to see. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're shoulder to shoulder with people at a river's edge and you're fishing and they're enjoying it, you're enjoying it. I don't think any of that other stuff matters. You're all just anglers on the water. Right. And if someone's got a tip or someone's got a lure that's working and you're sharing knowledge and information and you're trading tips. Yeah. Really. I think that when you're out on the water, that's what people are there for. They're there for the pure enjoyment of being there. And I think that's why I've been so drawn to this industry is because it is a really welcoming community feeling industry in all of the ways it is in, in the boating and in the fishing and in the hunting, like all of it, it's all very welcoming and warm, I guess is a nice way to describe it. And, you know, I, I'm sure Kyle could speak on this too, is just like, it's nice to have a place to go or you don't have to listen to like a news station or you don't have to listen to Facebook or Instagram for that, you know, from however long you fish, maybe two hours or maybe you're nuts and you go out for 12 hours straight, you know, but in that time period, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'll be out there all day, and, uh, you know, light dark to dark. So, mm-hmm. but just having that, having, Oh, I lost my turn of thought a little bit. Um, just having that window to be out there and just be with people and just learn about people and just enjoy that fishery is just really and being nice. checked into the moment. Yeah. yeah. Right. You're involved in that moment. You're getting people on fish. You're trying to get yourself onto fish. You're just, you look up, you see mountain goats, you see deer, you see everything. So bears and oh, eagles and I love it. I Fresh love it. air. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even a day out fishing when, you know, you're having a hard time and you're only catching one or two that whole day, it's still a great day. It's, you know, you're still outside, you're in nature and really fishing isn't always just about fishing. It's about outdoors, being there and learning about all this beautiful nature that we have around us, you know, seeing the deer drinking at the water's edge while you're throwing a line and it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a great place to be. For sure. So when, when you were starting out the company, looking back now, what is one thing that you wish you'd known back then that you've learned now that you wish you could go back and tell yourself? Uh, I probably wouldn't do it. I wouldn't, in hindsight, I don't fish as much now as I did. <laughs> I should have just made my own little lures for me and me alone. <laughs> just done it. But Nah, that's, that's not true. I don't know. In hindsight, um, I, I feel like just have patience. I think that I wanted a lot right in the beginning. And I would just say, you know, just have some patience. It's just like fishing. You're just going to have patience. But, you know, when you're in business, you want it all right now. And it's not always that way. So I, I'm learning to enjoy the moment of the business too. I mean, things like this, moments like this, having the opportunity to chat with um, people like you that are in the industry that enjoy the industry are passionate about it. These are the moments I cherish. If I can't be on the water, I'm grateful to be talking about it. So totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. There's nothing really I I would change about what I've done. I'm really grateful to be where I'm at and uh, each step has taken me to where I need to be. And you got to love what you do too. That's a big thing. I think people get caught in the nine to five, rush hour sitting in traffic coming home get up do it again and it's like 
maybe my day's a little longer, but I'm enjoying what I do and where I'm at and what I get to see the experiences yeah. that I get to have. Yeah. And really being my own boss, I have some flexibility because I do have two kids and I do want to be able to pick them up from school. And if I have to work late, like I'm doing right now, or if I work early or if I work on the weekends, I can balance it, you yeah. know? So there are some benefits to having your own business. You are working all the time, but you also do get some freedom. For sure. My boss can be mean sometimes though. She's a hard worker. <laughs> Drives you to the dirt. <laughs> For sure. So that's a day in Lucky Bug. We'll have to do that one day. You guys can come visit the warehouse and see how it's made. Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be so cool. Hey, yeah. try some try some of your fishing up there. I'll take some of your favorite spots. And oh yeah, my <laughs> secret spots. <laughs> They're not so secret. Uh, but yeah, or I'll let you guys take me somewhere. You guys have some great secret spots. I bet. Oh, they're the same. They're secret. <laughs> <laughs> They're on the water. They're not that secret. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, with all the information out there, which is good. I mean, and mapping software and all this kind of stuff, like blogs and magazines and everything, social media. It's like there's not not a ton of secrets, but there's a few that are a, a little bit less known. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, you don't want everything to get outfished too, right? Overfished and too much pressure on them. Yep. For exactly. sure. Exactly. For sure. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to that we haven't asked you that you wanted to add no not really i think you guys have been wonderful hosts actually <laughs> <laughs> a lot uh, we threw a lot at you so uh, yeah yeah no but this has been great i i mean i really enjoy to talk about fishing and all aspects of it so i'm sure i've forgotten a lot so there's lots of stuff to talk about but we can do it again yeah absolutely <laughs> this is just the start so absolutely. all right let's get, let's get rolling into our instagram questions kyle you want to kick that off yeah so um the one that we wanted to focus on with you was uh one we got from our friend kylie um at kyle on the fly and she asked are people ever surprised when they find out that lucky bug lures is owned uh, by a woman or is a woman owned in the industry I think there is a lot of surprise um, from people. And I think part of that has been my fault, to be honest. I kind of thought that I had to um, not really, I don't want to say flaunt, but really tell people that it was women woman-owned. I just didn't think that anglers would take the lures that we built very seriously on the water. Mm -hmm. um, I've been wrong, actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I've been totally wrong about that because in the last couple of years, I have been more open about the fact that this is a woman-owned business and this is, you know, what I do. My husband's an owner with me, but I work in it day in, day out. And he has designed some of the lures, but actually he's designed them all. I'm not going to say some of them. I've designed some of the patterns is all I do. He engineers the lures, but yeah, I designed some of the patterns, but I actually have to say that it has been no different whether, you know, like if your friend Kai is wondering about that, being a woman in the industry, everybody's really quite warm, quite welcoming, and it's all good. I just, like I said, it was it was me worried about it, whether or not my stuff would be taken seriously. But once people fish it, they know it's the real deal. So I didn't really have to worry about that. In some level, let your let your gear speak for itself. Yeah, yeah. 
I just always felt that I had to have a masculine sort of a feel to my website or to my Instagram page or to any of that kind of stuff. But I, I now, I, you know, in the last few years, I've been like, you know what? I actually don't think people really care that much. I think they're interested no matter what, whether it's male or female, if the stuff's working, they just want to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think I was in my own head. Get out of your own head. <laughs> Get out and enjoy it. And, and, you know, if people like it, they like it. They don't, they don't. It's just, it's yeah. just you know, it's anything. It's any consumer thing. If yeah. people that are going to love it, there's going to be people that don't like it, but you can just do what you have control of. For sure. And honestly, like I said earlier, my stuff is going to be a part of somebody's tackle box. It probably won't be their entire tackle box. And that's all I'm trying to do. And I think I, you know, was overthinking it and it's just, it is what it is. You know, I'm a female in the industry that's very male dominated, but I don't think people care that much to be honest. I think they care a lot less than I thought. That's right. Yeah. And, and I think women have come into the industry a lot more. And I think, you know, in Instagram, they've come a lot more forward. I'm not a big fan of the women or anyone for that matter, people that um, use a lot of skin in their, you know, in their videos or in their pictures and stuff. I'm like more fins, less skin. <laughs> Let's see the fish. Yeah. Right. Really so is. I don't ever really want to promote those types of anglers in, you know, male or female or any, any gender. I don't, that's not what I'm about the fishing. I'm about the conservation. I'm about the enjoyment, the teaching, bringing, you know, young kids into the, you know, into the fold, teaching them about it. I like all of that stuff. I don't really care about the rest of the BS. Sure. Yeah. I hope that shows through in my website and my Insta and all that stuff that it's just real people really fishing and enjoying. Absolutely. Um, So I want to just apologize because I don't remember who asked this question. I just remember the question and I try to go look back at it and I couldn't, uh, it didn't pop up in our feed, but um, they asked, is there anything new? coming out and lucky uh that lucky bugs creating um you're willing to share if you don't if it's kind of like in the works and you don't want to share it just be broad about it yeah there's a few different things i'm looking at um mainly right now it's patterns our newest our newest lures that we came out with and it was kind of just like pre-covid so it was bad timing to try and launch stuff but it was our our f-bomb and our Mm -hmm. pike bomb those two lures, um, those were, were new for us, a new type of fishing that I've been, I've been exploring and stuff, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, but otherwise, there are a couple of other new products that I'm looking at, but I just, we're still in the, everything sort of slowed down. There has been some supply chain issues and that kind of stuff, so I haven't been able to launch them. And I really want to launch them when there's um, an actual face-to-face, so. Yeah. But there's a lot new, a lot of new patterns coming out. I also did recently. My bingo bugs hadn't really had an overhaul in a long time, and I did add glow to um, a small portion of them. So that glow is a new feature, which I think is pretty fun. They've always had UV. Anything that we hand paint or sparkle, we do um, put UV on them. But uh, they've never really glowed. So now you can charge some of them up, and they glow. So that's a fun new feature. Um, yeah, other than that, new patterns, which we'll be releasing next year, hopefully for my cast. (laughs) Awesome. All right. 
think that brings us to our rapid fire around here. Kind of <laughs> some of these questions real quick. All right. You want to start us out there, Keaton? Yep. What is a uh, uh, favorite fish? Trout. Like to eat? Uh, eat or just for sport? So um, I think to eat one of my favorite fish is walleye. Um, but to fish it would be trout and kokanee for sure. But I haven't tried a lot of fisheries, so I'm open. I have done some big, like um, I've gone to um, Mexico like year decades ago and done some big fishing out there and got some marlin and stuff. Those were super fun. So I like I like all fishing, but yeah, my easiest go-to would be trout. Awesome. Gotcha. Uh, what is a dream destination for you um, to go fishing? Um, I would actually really enjoy, um, there's so many fisheries that I'd love to do. I'd love to go to the Latin Americas and do some fishing down there. Um, but I'd also like to do some pike and musky fishing, like up in the um, Arctic circle, there's some beautiful big fishing in the Northern part of Canada. And, um, yeah, I think those would be the two on my bucket list. Awesome. Maybe the Keys, Florida Keys, do some fishing out there too. That's on my goals. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite meal and drink for when you're out fishing? Um, like snacks. So, drink. I, so my snack, I usually bring nuts and stuff. I honestly don't drink too much when I fish because I don't like to stop to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I like to just fish. <laughs> So there's often times where I will start at six in the morning and I won't eat or drink anything until six at night when it's time to get off the water. Cause I just don't want to stop for a potty break. Yeah. <laughs> but often it's just like, it's trail mix. I like to just sort of snack on cool. unless we're going to have, you know, a nice shore lunch. That's what I catch <laughs> Get to eat it. There you go. Uh, what are you listening to when you're driving to the river, or to the lake? What, what's you're playing music? Are you playing a podcast? What are you listening to? Um, I'm usually out of range. So I'm not playing, I'm not able to listen to anything, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I'm usually off the grid. Awesome. Wow. That's even better. <laughs> On the silence. It's nice. I yeah, usually hear yeah. the birds and the bears. It's enjoyable. Yeah. All right, you're headed out the door. What what outdoorsy thing are you gonna grab first? Headed outdoors, like from my house or from your house. Like you're like, oh, I'm going fishing today. I'm headed out the door. What's the first thing you're going to to grab? My shoes. <laughs> I like it. Just straight going. <laughs> gonna put my shoes on to go outside. Yeah. <laughs> they gotta be the right shoes, depending on where I'm going, right? If it's a hike or if it's a you know, if I'm going on a boat, they're different shoes. It's got to be my shoes. <laughs> um, something that you knew that you wish you knew when you started, whether that be the company or whether that be just fishing in general. I wish I knew. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, probably to be able to tie more knots. I like to tie more knots. The other thing I really like is the... Um, that snap hook that I have on my bingo bug. I use that now more than I ever used to just for every lure I put on, I just tie that and it's just a quick release instead of a split ring. And honestly, you just have to tie one knot and you're good. Nice. Any advice for a newcomer into fishing or the outdoors in general? 
not really. Just love it. Love what you're doing. Make sure you're in the moment and you're enjoying it. There, there's if you don't want to be there, don't be there because we only yeah. want happy people there. <laughs> Good vibes only. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's end you in the podcast with an awesome fishing story. <laughs> awesome fishing story. Any fishing story. Think of anyone. <laughs> um, I honestly didn't get to fish much this year because of the weather conditions. Um, well, probably one of my funniest fishing stories was when I was actually fishing off the coast of um, Mexico, the Baja, and uh, we were doing we were targeting marlin. And um, me and two of my friends and these, my two girlfriends and then these two other guys, we all rented a boat and went out to go fishing. And um, three out of five of us were really sick. So only two of us got to fish. So we weren't out there for very long because basically the other three people in the boat were chumming for us. And as soon as somebody was over the side of the boat, it was fish on and then fish on. We caught some amazing fish, but we only got to catch, we each got to catch a fish and then we had to head back in because everybody was green sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. I was definitely not feeling sick. I was feeling sad. <laughs> we couldn't stay yeah. out longer. <laughs> That's like, that doesn't happen every day too. You know, no. the no. so. we got up at four in the morning to go to, you know, to make sure we we're out at dawn to get out there to make sure we we're in the right fishing spot. And then, yeah, two fish on. We had to turn around and leave because more than half the boat was sick. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's a fun story. <laughs> it's fun. It's not fun for me, but it was fun. <laughs> it was fun to tell. It, 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 it's fun to look back on now. It wasn't fun. Exactly. 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 Well, cool. Um, we appreciate your time, Sophie. We've asked you a bunch of questions and you, you've given us a lot of great information and I'm I know we've got so much more to talk about that we'll have to have you on in a, in a future podcast. Maybe talk about some of your new lures, talk about um, as we're coming into different seasons, different types of fish that you're targeting, um, how to target them with your lures. And yeah, we just appreciate you coming on and, and being cool. a partner with us. Love to do it anytime. Awesome. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah, thank you. All right, Keaton, anything else to add at the end here? Yeah, I just want to thank everyone for listening to our podcast. Um, we appreciate it. Go check us out. Leave us a, a review on Apple Podcasts or uh, check out our website, www.theyoungguidespodcast.com. Um, if there's you know, anything you want to add or anything you want to share, you can go there, comment, send us an email, anything of that sort. So once again, thanks for listening to another episode of the Young Guides Podcast. Awesome. See you on the next one.